This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So today's message is Seeing, Hearing, Having. That's the title of my message today. But, you know, I want to go back into the scriptures and give some background. And you can put the scriptures up if you can open up your Bibles to Matthew 13. Uh, and we're going to read from verses 10 and then jump down to verse 18. But the context of this scripture is, you know, the background story is the, the, the Pharisees had just called Jesus uh, a demon-possessed man. He had just come from saying... Uh, you know, when, when his mother and brother and sisters had come looking for him, mother, father, brother had, had come looking for him, he says, you know, my family are those that, you know, do the, the work of the kingdom. And this is the context. So there, there, there was much persecution around this next parable that Jesus told. And the parable that Jesus told was the parable of the sower. And Jesus tells the parable, and, and I'm sure I'm not going to go into reading the parable. If you need to read the parable, you can go to Matthew 13 and read the parable. But uh, because he then explains what, what it is. But in, his disciples came to him thereafter, and then this is where I'm going to start reading. And they said, Master, he said, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. But to them, but not to them, whoever has been given more, they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So in other versions, in Luke, he says, the secrets of the kingdom have been made known to you those of you that are near me. To the rest of them, they hear them as, as parables. And then he goes on in verse 18 to then explain what this parable means. And he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once, at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling on thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life, of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, Choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good ground refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160, 30 times what is sown. From that parable, we understand that the sower or the farmer refers to God himself or his delegated authority that bring us his word. The seed refers to the word of God. The soil is our heart. From that passage of scripture, we learn a few things. 
Firstly, Jesus says, to whom uh, he who has will have even more. He says, when the word is sown, there's an expectation for fruitfulness. But it is the condition of our hearts that determine whether the word will be fruitful in our lives or not. So, here's what Jesus says. He says, the very moment that the word is given, it means the test is coming. Why? Because he says, that, that passage of scripture says that the, the word will be tested. Persecution will come. The cares of this world will be there. And the test is not to reveal the integrity of the word. The test is to reveal the condition and the integrity of our hearts. To keep the word and walk in a manner worthy of the word. Now when you read the scriptures and the scriptures say to he who has, even more will be given to him. But to he who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That sounds unfair, doesn't it? Because the world teaches us to take from the ones who have and give to the ones who don't have. But that's not a kingdom principle. Because the kingdom principle, the reason the kingdom exists that way is to the one who's shown faithfulness with little, he will be entrusted with much. But to the one who has not shown faithfulness, even with the little word he has received, he cannot fully grasp the next thing. That's why Pastor Tom was saying, do not be too quick to be excited for new revelation without first processing the revelation that you've had and making use of it. Because the precursor for us being ready for the next revelation is us having lived through, having been tested in the old revelation and having done and processed it and owned it in our hearts. Then we're ready for the next thing. Life is lived at, at, at levels and arrived at in stages. You cannot go to the next level until you pass the, the level you're at. So Jesus says here, they see but they do not perceive. They hear but they do not understand. We see with the eyes of the Spirit and perceive by the Spirit. We hear and understand with the ears of the heart. There are two main Greek words translated word in the Bible. The first one is Logos, which means the written word of God, and the second one is Rema, which is the inspired or spoken word of God. And simple, and let me just take a few minutes to explain that. Logos is the written word of God that reveals <clears throat> the potential use of the word, not necessarily the practical word of God at that time. Let me give you an example. I heard about this story, sad story. Twelve men of God in Africa read the story 
of Peter walking on water. And they said, wow, this is the word of God. If it can happen for Peter, it can happen for us. So when they were faced with the challenge of crossing a river, while it was flooded to get to the other side, they said, well, it happened for Peter, it can happen for us. They jumped in the river, drowned and died. And it was so sad because it brought so many questions. Why have these men of God died? Why, you know, if there is a God, why didn't he come through for them? You see, the Logos word was, yes, Peter did walk on water. But that was not the Rema word for that time. The Rema word is the word God uses to speak by the Holy Spirit to our hearts. Inspired words for us to do at a specific time, for a specific season, for a specific circumstance. If it was so, Peter did not walk on water because the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Peter walked on the water because he said, Master, if you say, come, then I'll come. If you give me the now word, I'll walk on the now word. Because there were 12 of them. All 12 of them should have jumped in. If it was walking because the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, no, it was because he said, you give me the word to walk on for now, for this circumstance. And by his faith, he stepped out of the boat and walked across. The other 11 remained behind in the boat. So a rhema word is the word that God inspires, speaks to our hearts by the Holy Spirit for that moment. But you see, that's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word, word there is the word rema. It's the word that stimulates our faith. It's the word that God's spoken to our heart that is translated from written knowledge or just head knowledge to knowledge that we own, knowledge that we understand. That is hidden in our hearts. When it, when, when it moves from knowledge to faith, it has transcended to understanding something that we can own, something that is ours, something that is hidden in our hearts, and something that can be acted upon. The Logos is the foundation upon which the Rema word comes. God reveres his word even above his name. Now, if there's no word in you and I, there's nothing for God to use to speak Rema to. And for us to ask God to do that is to ask God to be a liar. You see, in a moment where you need heaven and earth to touch, that's a Kairos moment. God will use what you and I have done in secret in putting the Logos word in our spirit to speak a Rema word for a Kairos moment where heaven's will is done here on earth. For Peter, it was when he walked on the water. Why? Because he had seen the word in action in Jesus. And he had known that by the commandment of Jesus, the lame walked, the blind saw, the deaf heard. And he said, you know what? You're over there. I'm here at your word. At your word. Now. Not the previous one. Now. Your now word. 
I can walk. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But you and I need a now word to access what God has us for this Kairos moment. John 14 says this. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. You see, the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us. When you teach, your objective is to bring understanding to the facts that are there. But to remind someone of something is to bring back into memory that which has been put there. So the Holy Spirit's work is twofold. You, we, we cannot demand of the Holy Spirit for a rema word or a reminding word of, God, what am I to do in this situation when we haven't put something there for us to remind us? So God's out there saying, Peter, 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 there's something jumping in Peter's spirit that says, Peter, let me remind you of who stands before you. While others are seeing a ghost, you have now seen your master. Let me remind you, it is he who cast out demons at his spoken word. It is he that said, be healed, see, and blind eyes open. It is he that, that, that spoke to the deaf and the mute, and they could hear. And Peter says, the Holy Spirit is just reminding me, my remember right now, at your word, I can come to you. So when we read and meditate on the word of God, the Logos word of God, we put in our hearts knowledge, facts, that the Holy Spirit will use to remind us in our time of need and give us a rema word of what to do in that season or at that particular time. So I feed on the word of God even when I don't need to so that the spirit of God can feed my mouth with the word of God when I need it. God made the world by his spoken word and he upholds it by the word of his power. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire the Logos into Rema in our lives, move us from knowledge to faith and understanding. However, our enemy, the devil, does not want that. He doesn't want you to understand the word in fact, he doesn't even want you to have the word. That's why as soon as the word's sown, trouble comes. As soon as you hear the word, this word we're preaching now, there are some that are falling asleep right now. It's being stolen. The moment you leave the door and you put your cell phone, in fact, someone's on their phone right now getting a WhatsApp message from a girlfriend, a boyfriend, or a friend. It's being stolen. When you leave there, your wife may remind you of your fight you had this morning. The word is being stolen. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Someone may say, hey, 
hundred dollars to change. But we can only do it at nine o'clock tonight. In the case of this world, still the word you're supposed to hear for the season that's coming. The enemy, our devil, put up the KRAs. I want to introduce you to the KRAs of the devil. The KRAs of the devil are KRAs, not that. The KRAs of the devil are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil does not want you to see or understand the things of the Spirit. For when you do, when you receive the Word, the Word has creative power to make you and I what we're supposed to be in Christ. Luke 4 tells the story of Jesus' baptism by the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and after that, God came and said, mm-hmm, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Straight after that, Jesus had an encounter with the devil. And listen to the devil's opening line. His opening line in Luke 4 is this. And this happened while Jesus was full of the Spirit. The devil's first temptation for Jesus was, if you are the Son of God, It was an opportune moment to steal the word that had just been planted. To steal the word that had just been spoken. To steal the Rema word for that season. The ushering in of the Son of Man walking on the earth as both Son of Man and Son of God. He says, if you are the Son of God. I know you're hungry now. Turn the bread, turn these stones into bread and eat it. To which Jesus responded, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God is our now word. That was was a a, a rema moment where Jesus, with the written word, says it is written, but the revelation is now for me to tell you I am not a, a physical being. I am not moved by what I see. I am a spiritual being. I live off every single word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what sustains me. Jesus was also redeeming what took place in the garden. Where? By what Eve saw. And Adam, they fell. So the second temptation goes like this. He says, the second one, he says, the devil says, all authority in the world has been delivered to me. Delivered to me. Now, bow down and worship me. Genesis 3, where did that come from? How how can the devil even say that? What gives him authority to even say that to the Son of God? I want you, our brothers and sisters, I want us to know if this could happen to the Son of God, it can happen to you and I. The devil prowls around like a lion seeking for an opportunity for someone to devour. Genesis 3, 2 to 7 says this. Eve comes before the serpent and listen to what he says. Did God really say? What is he after? He's after stealing the word. You must not eat from any tree in the garden. 
And then she responded, you know, a bit exaggerated as, you know, the ladies sometimes do. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. No different. My wife would say I'm the one that exaggerates. I'm the influencer. Verse 4, he responds to after she says to him, no, the Lord says we must not. He says we can eat of any tree, but surely this one in the middle we must not eat of. But we should not even touch it. God didn't say that. He didn't say don't touch it. And he said, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Then listen, he says, when the woman saw that the fruit on the trees was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable to gain wisdom, she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband and you guys know what happened next. But the enemy, Satan, came and said, did God really say? He came to steal the authority of the word in Eve's life. You see, deception, deception seeds authority of the word that is meant to work in our lives to the enemy. At that moment when, when Eve, Adam and Eve were deceived and they partook of what the enemy said, of what Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy, they ceded authority of that word to him. They ceded their God-given authority to have dominion in the world and rulership over the to him. And so the enemy does. God gives us a word. God gives us a show and a promise. The enemy is right there to deceive. So we cede the authority of the work of the word in our lives. The Bible says when the woman saw, you see deception opens up the eyes of our flesh. When we linger on what the enemy is saying, when we linger on that which steals the word, when we linger on the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, when we linger on the enemy who's stealing the word, when we linger on that which chokes out the very word of God, when we linger on these things, we have the eyes of deception open. And the eyes of deception do not lead to the spirit, they magnify the flesh. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the tree was in the garden before before, the tree was in the garden and Adam and Eve walked around it, saw it every single day. But in the moment where deception was taking root, she says she saw what was open. The eye of the flesh was open and it looked good. To what? Not a spirit man, to a fleshly man. You see, what the enemy uses to deceive us, he uses to, uh, to, to uh, 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 destroy us. Because he's ultimately leading us to destruction. And then we eventually lose whatever it is. So Adam and Eve saw this tree every day, but the fruit didn't look good to them. When she lingered, it was, hmm, hmm, this really, this could be true. And that's setting up the word to be stolen. In the same manner, when we focus on spiritual things. Spiritual things begin to look good to us. The eyes of the spirit are open 
to us. The things of the Spirit are open. That's why we can hear and hear. We can see, hear, and have when the eyes of the Spirit are open. You see, the Word of God, the Bible says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things that were made were made. Without him, nothing which was made has been made. In him was life and the life was the light of man. This light shines in darkness and darkness cannot overcome it. The word of God in me, the word of God in you, the word of God in us has creative power. And the devil knows that and wants to steal the word before it takes root. Without the word of God with us, we are but flesh. We see flesh. We hear flesh. We cannot hear the spirit. You see, everything that is flesh degenerates. We were taught this by Pastor Bonnie. And when we have the word in us, we are overcomers. We return to the power of the Spirit, and everything that is Spirit regenerates. See, the devil wants to steal the word from you. God is obligated to act on his word, nothing more, nothing less. He says this in Jeremiah 1.12. Then the Lord said to me, you've seen well. I'm watching over my word to perform it. God watches over his word to perform it. If his word is not there, there cannot be a performance to watch over. If the word has been stolen, there's nothing for God to perform. That's why the enemy wants to steal the word. What is stolen is no longer in your possession. It remains your property. You can say, oh, that word is for me. And you say, oh, that word is for me. Oh, pastor, that word was for me. It was for me. It was for me. It was for me. Then whatever steals that word, when it's stolen, it's no longer your possession. You remain the owner of that thing, but you don't possess it. Anyway, my mom's here. Let me confess. I, I took some sweets to her. And, uh, chocolates. I want a hamper in grade four. A big hamper. Hey, you can imagine how happy I was. You know, schools used to run raffles for prize giving. I came home with this hamper. Hey! Hey! So let me tell you the backstory, mom, of how I got that hamper. <laughs> I was walking, literally, walking from, you know, break time, when you're walking from the class to assembly. Along the path, I see a, a pink paper. Now, raffles used to come in pink papers. There used to be pink papers you used to get in there, your number, uh, you know, for your raffle. Ah, so I picked up this number. It is the number 50. I said, okay. 
let me go. Lo and behold, when you got to the thing and they started announcing, you know, something in you says they're going to call number 50. <laughs> and they called number 50. <laughs> Do you know what? Guess who got up and went to claim the prize? The one who had possession of it. So I don't even know who that brother was who had the number 50. But he lost number 50. And the one who had possession of number 50 got number 50. And the benefits of number 50. Our battle is for possession. To own and possess the promises that God's given us. There's a law that says possession is nine-tenths of the law. What that means is simply this. Is ownership is easier to maintain if one is in possession of something. Or difficult to enforce if one doesn't. You know what? I determined in myself, that guy who had number 50, I am the one who went to claim the prize in front of the whole class, in front of the whole school. It was mine. Even though ownership was his because he bought it. There's word, there's a word that leaves the altar, that leaves the Bible, that is for you. That you have purchased by your much suffering or whatever, it is by the grace of God. But if you do not have the discipline to own, possess that word, to watch over it, to keep it, Someone else may walk in and take possession. And you'll keep saying, that was my word. That was my word. That was, oh. That was my, oh. You know what? I, I think, you know, I, the, guy, the, guy never, the guy who had number 50 never showed up. I, I don't know why. At the time, I was the bully in the school. Maybe. <laughs> thank God for self. Thank God for mothers who pray like you pray. <laughs> I'm bullying you with the word. Anyway, let's carry on. So anyway, listen, possession. The rightful owner may not be the one that enjoys the benefit, but the one that is in possession. And you even know it. If there were a dispute over a property, the Lord tends to go to the one there staying in possession. So it is with God's word. You know when I read Isaiah 55, listen to what Isaiah 55 says. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower, bread for the eater, so, that, so it is with my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You know, I always wondered about that scripture. I always thought to myself, and you know, I, 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 I believe I misquoted it at times. I, I thought, you know, well, you know, God will watch over his word, over my life to perform it. And his word over my life will not return to him void. And, you know, and, but I always used to have a question. What happens to my disobedient state? What happens to 
the word that God spoke over Saul and Saul disobeyed. What, what does it mean? Does, does it go back to him? Does, does it fall to the ground? What, does it return to him void? You know what? That parable in Matthew 13 answered me. His word does go out. He scattered the seed. It seeks someone to possess it. It says the eyes of God roam to and fro the earth, looking for someone that he can show himself strong through. There are some people eating the benefit of words that people have lost on the path, have thrown away on the path, and they have picked it up and they've made it their own. And God's spirit hovers the earth, looking for somewhere where his word is to perform it. Amos 3.7 says this. It says, surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The Rema word is the plan for that time, for that season. And God has an order. Jesus says, I've not left you alone. I've left you the Holy Spirit to help you. Then he says, I've given you gifts. I've given you apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. Why? To equip us for the works of ministry. So they can remind us of, they can give us his word. They can speak to us his plan. Try building without a plan. The Logos word is the foundation that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us and give us the plan for now. There's a story told of a man who built, builder, who's building, building, building. After he finished, he realized he was stuck inside, no door. <laughs> All he knew is you could build a house. That's the written word. But he had no plan to follow. Tonight, God will give us his plan for 2018. You know what? There's every excuse for you not to be here tonight. Some of you leave this door and you encounter an excuse. He wants to steal. There's every excuse to steal your Kairos moment. That is in the future. It's not now. Your Kairos moment is the word planted now that you'll harvest later. My hope is that we're all here because he has revealed to his prophets the strategy, the rhema word for now. And you and I have a responsibility to work with God to actualize that word. Jesus in Luke, Luke 11, a woman says to him, oh, blessed is the woman who bore you and who breast nursed you? Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word and keep it. Matthew 7 verse 24 says this. It says, therefore, this is Jesus 
Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain will come, streams rise, winds blow, beating against the house, yet it will not fall because it has its foundation in the rock. So storms will come. The word will be tested. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain will come, the streams will rise, the winds will blow and beat against the house and it will be a great crush. Jesus left us the Holy Spirit to remind us of his words. And he also gave us gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers to equip us for the words of ministry, for the works of ministry. God through Christ still reveals his plan to those who he has empowered through Christ to lead his church. Mark 4, I'm going to close now. This is the same story of the sower, but Mark 4 has got an elaboration that Jesus gives that's not in the other Gospels. He says this, he wounds it up, he says, and I'll read it in the Amplified Version. He says, pay attention to what you hear. That's your own standard, by your own standard of measurement, that is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth, apply godly wisdom, it will be measured back to you. And you'll be given even greater ability to respond. And more will be given to you besides For whoever has a teachable heart, to him, understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. You see, when the children of Israel were crossing into the promised land, God gave Joshua a blueprint of how to not only own the word, but keep possession of it. So that you may succeed and prosper. And I want to give you that today. Joshua 1 verses 7 to 10 says this. It says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn away from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Father, we praise you. We glorify your name seven times a day. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then you will prosper and be successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be disencouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Why? Why is he with you wherever you go? Because you've kept his word hidden in your heart. And he watches over his word to perform it. So here are the keys as we close. One, be strong and courageous. Second, 
Be careful to obey all the law given to Moses. Moses was Joshua's leader. Tonight, we'll have the Rema word given for this season, 2018. And my, 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 my encouragement is when that word's given, it's not just for tonight. It says they received the word with joy. Joy. And yeah, it's good for us to receive the word, but know that the enemy waits for an opportune moment to steal that word. So when we receive that word tonight, be careful to study. Be careful to go through. It's your Rema word. It's our Rema. For CMI, this is our Rema word. This is God's blueprint. This is God's plan for you to build a house and have doors in it. Not build one that traps you inside. Keep the word always on your mouth. Speak it. Confess it. Meditate on it day and night. Read God's word. Read the strategy. Read the blueprint. And then it says be careful. Be careful to obey all it commands. When prophetic direction has been given, we have the responsibility to contend for what has been declared and to work with God to bring it to pass. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's mother, she had been barren, wanted a baby. Yes, they had heard of stories. The Bible had said, you know, well, there wasn't a Bible at the time, but she had heard of stories on barren women having babies. But it was till that word became rhema for her. When the angel came to her and said, you will have a baby. She had the baby. And when the angel came and said, you'll have a baby, she asked, how are we to raise this baby? How? The angel gave her the blueprint. He's not to drink wine. You're not to drink wine or any fermented drink. The word we get for the year is a prophetic word of how to keep God's promises. How? to act in this season. How to appropriate everything God's promised. Pour yourself out to study it. Pour yourself out to, to, to take time to meditate. Pour yourself out to weigh it against the word, written word of God and say, man, this is my yes, that's my amen. This is my yes, that's my amen. This is my yes, that's my, this is how I'm to act now. This is my rhema for now. For the written word says, there shall be none barren amongst you. My now word that has come prophetically says, you too shall have a child in this season. My now word says, but you are not to drink wine. It was not there. But this one says, this is how you are to treat this and keep this. I am so grateful that God has given us his word. I am so grateful that he's illuminated. I heard Brother Milton standing on stage and says, you know what? There was an alignment. There were things that he desired. But God brought alignment to what he desired. And it was more than what he had asked for. 
May it be so for the CMI family in this season as we are careful to study his word. As we meditate on what's been given to us prophetically and understand what God's given our man of God in this season. As we walk together in community in it. That's why we've realigned even the way we pray is so that you may contend for your word. It's so that you may come into agreement with brethren and contend for your word. You know, our fasting has become about what are you eating? What are you not eating? When did you eat? How did you eat it? Did you eat fish? Did you not eat fish? Really? Really? Right there, your word is being stolen. Right there. In this season, there's a blueprint. Come corporately together. Come and agree. We've made it open for you. Three times a day, there are corporate prayer time for you to pour into the promises of God. Contend, pull them down, meditate on them, understand them, hide them in your heart. For the Spirit of God will surely come in this season. He'll watch over His Word to perform it. And wherever you go, you will. He will be with you and you will succeed and be prosperous. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there to teach you, bring revelation to you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there to remind you of what you've put in. Not to remind you of what's not there. So Father, I thank you for this great congregation. I thank you that in 2018 we are wise builders. In fact, if, 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 if you want to commit yourself, let's do this. If you want to commit yourself to be a wise builder in 2018 as we enter this season, if you want to commit yourself to see what God sees, hear what God hears, have what he has for you, stand to your feet. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, that we humble ourselves before your mighty hand today. Lord, saying we want to see what you see. We want to hear by the ears of the Spirit so that we may have and possess all that you have for us in this coming season. Father, we pray. We know Father, that the, at the entrance of your word, light comes. We know that at the entrance of your word, Father, there's a door that's open. But with it comes much adversity. Father, I thank you for the grace on this great congregation, for anyone in CMI that is willing and obedient in this season, that the grace to overcome is upon them in the name of Jesus. The grace to possess what you have for them is upon them in this season. I thank you, Father, that as we pursue community, as we pursue oneness, as we pursue unity, Father, your anointing may rest in that place. The anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. The, the anointing that breaks limitation. The anointing that breaks sicknesses, diseases. The anointing that breaks poverty. The anointing that breaks the lies that the enemy has used 
to lie to us for so long. Father, I declare that in this season, your troops are willing in the day of your power. In the day of battle, may there be a groundswell of troops that are willing. May we, Lord, have a desire and a hunger for the word of God. You ask, how do you have a hunger of God, for the word of God? How do you have a hunger for the things of God? You pursue the things of God. And as you find him, he says, I'm faithful. He who has, he who attains, even more be given to them. Father, I thank you that that's there in this season. In the name of Jesus. Let it be seen in our cell families. Let it be seen in our prayer meetings. Let it be seen in our church. Let it be seen in our homes. Let it be seen in our lives, in our workplaces. Let it be seen in our places of influence. In the name of Jesus. Father, we declare your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring alignment in this season. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that this season your word is spoken once, we hear it twice. We hear with a mandate to do your word. To obey it and keep it. To be careful to do everything it says. To keep possession of what you've promised. In the name of Jesus. Father, we declare that in this season, may there be fertile ground for those in the CMI family. May we be fertile soil. May our hearts be fertile soil for the word that you release in Jesus Christ's name. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.